John, in this episode, we go deeper in networking than we have with any other guest, dare I say, than we have with anyone we've met in our lives. Gil is a master networker and has even offered a networking plan and a networking audit. And we just go so deep into it here. Yeah, Rich, and he's a disciple of Tony Robbins, which we have been big fans of for 30 years now. Not just a disciple, he actually has a personal relationship with him, builds groups to go to his event, which he calls an entourage. But in this episode, we also talk about how people need a plan for building their professional and personal network. And we realize in this conversation that you and I both don't have a plan. So I'm assuming a lot of you listeners don't have one either. This is one to listen to. Gil also gave us a little tip on how to reach out to somebody who you haven't talked to in a very long time. And you're going to hear about that about halfway to three quarters of the way through the episode. Here's Gil Petersill. Hey, entrepreneurs, are you looking to take your business to the next level? I'm sure you are. Listen up. The Entrepreneurs United Empowerment Experience is coming to Austin, Texas on October 2nd and the 4th, and you do not want to miss it. At this exclusive event limited to just 50 entrepreneurs, you'll have the opportunity to connect with other like-minded business owners and CEOs, learn from industry experts, and enjoy unique experiences that you will not find anywhere else. The Entrepreneurs United Experience will leave you feeling inspired, energized, and ready to take on whatever opportunities and challenges come your way. So mark your calendars now for October 2nd and the 4th, and join us at the Omni Barton Creek Resort in Austin, Texas. You will not regret it. Visit entrepreneursunited.us to learn more and secure your spot today. Gil, as I look at your LinkedIn, I've not seen a whole bunch of people that are as clear about what they're about as you are when at the very top of your LinkedIn, it says, live with passion, connect with love. So I want to welcome you to the Entrepreneurs United podcast by letting you know, we know that about you, that you want to make clear to people when they look you up, when they first meet you, where did that come from? So the passionate side of things has been a big part of me finding my confidence. I initially, I learned that women uh, like men that are passionate. So I started looking to, hey, what are my passion? My passion about cooking, but photography, but traveling, good. Women like that as well. Start conversations about that. And then I learned that passion, passion is quite addictive and it's also quite um, useful when it comes to sales. So I was like, hey, how do I develop my passion side of things and uh, what, what kind of passions could I have that I've never looked into or how can I become passionate about something that I'm scared of and I started developing these abilities to look into my fears with a position of passion to get into it and come on you can overcome something and then when my relationship with Tony Robbins started his big tagline is live with passion and for me it was like hey this is my man I love this man and I've had a very, a very deep relationship with Tony Robbins for the last 10 years. We've become very close in different ways. And connecting with love is something that I've basically understood over the last few years as I've been studying the arts and sciences of human networking, human connection, global relationships. And some the, the people don't tend to connect with love. Uh, people tend to connect with expectation of something. People tend to connect with an agenda. And I didn't like it. And I understood that. Connecting with people with love, meaning, hey, I'm willing to learn from you. Hey, I'm willing to teach you something. Hey, I'm willing to serve you. Hey, how can I potentially help you? Hey, how can potentially we become friends? And this simple idea of connecting with people with love just 
makes networking a lot more authentic, uh, a lot easier, and it also becomes a hack when it comes to feeling confident in any networking situation. John and I share with you our love for Tony Robbins. It was one of the things that we had in common when we met now 25 or 30 years ago, and it was unleash the power within the CD sets that we would listen to. Yeah, we were in the uh, car. And I've never been to one of his events. I don't believe John has either. I know several people that have, and they've been absolutely life-changing. I've not talked to one person that's been to one of events that has not had a pivotal life change or made some big decisions about who they are and what they do next. Can you talk to us about when you went to a Tony Robbins event, what did that clarify for you? And what did you do differently as a result of having attended that event and bringing him into your world? Yeah, thank you for the question. So for the listeners out there, to give them some context, for the last 10 years, I was very fortunate to have been uh, one of the biggest promoters for Tony Robbins in, in the world, uh, specializing in, in specific cultures of people out there that speak the Russian language. So people from Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Georgia, Latvia, Lithuania, people in Estonia. There's a lot of people in the world. And because I happen to have been living there at that stage of my life and my wife is Russian, then I just developed that market there. I'm not Russian originally. And what was interesting, uh, I was sitting with Tony Robbins in his home, 20, the end of 2018, December, before Christmas. We're sitting for a one-on-one -on -one discussion talking about what we've just done. And what we just did is we just put 26,000 people in front of Tony Robbins for an event that I co-hosted in Moscow. It was his first time in Moscow. And him, he wanted to know, how did we do it? He's, hey, no one has ever done such a big event for me before. Tell me how you did it. And the conversation was quite funny because I said, you know what, Tony? I owed it to you. And he was like, what do you mean? He's like, when I was 18, I was living in Toronto, Canada, and I saw one of your infomercials for the Unleash the Power Within CD. And I couldn't afford it, but it, it said 30-day money-back guarantee. So I got to tell you, Tony, I bought them, I copied them, and I returned them back for a full money-back guarantee. And over the years, I felt horrible. So somehow I found a way to give back to you. And he started laughing. <laughs> what do you mean? Are you serious right now? He's like, yeah, there's something inside because those simple CDs have made such an impact in my life that it's because of those CDs that I managed to get my wife to see the amount of value he has brought to my life from just listening to him. And we've been to over 30 of his events around the world. We brought, you know, thousands and thousands of people to his events. And at any given event for years before COVID, we were bringing a thousand people at a time to our entourage. And we've understood that raising your standards in life, understanding what it means to step up into your own uh, path in life, understanding what your true destiny is, understanding how to build more fulfilling relationship, being more aligned with your money values or with your money blocks in order to unleash those and step into a more wealthy position, or of course, just understanding what biohacking is all about and being in a position where your body could feel like a, an awesome temple where I have three young kids combined weight is about 35 kilos. I could put them all on my shoulders and go for a walk for a couple of miles. And I'm proud that I could do that because I've been placed in positions where 
stepping up and constantly raising my standards became a normal everyday thing because I wanted to see progress in everything that I do and who I am. And Tony's the one that gave me that. And because of him, I've met many of his teachers who became my mentors, Jay Abraham, Preta G, Donnie Epstein. I've met many people within his community that became my friends, became my business partners, became investors. So in general, I owe a lot to Tony himself. He's been an incredible influence in my life. He is a beautiful human magnet to other awesome people around the world, which as a believer in human networking, I'm like, hey, if you don't know who to connect with, find the most awesome human beings out there and go and see who's around them and connect with those people as well. Yeah, that's a great place to segue, Gil. Certainly, as Rich said, we all uh, together on this podcast share the love for what he's brought. And, and those CDs mean a lot to me as well. They're a big part of my learning and upbringing. I guess I got to go with you to one of those events, though. That's, I should mark that on my bucket list. That's something I've always wanted to do and uh, would love to do that. So uh, we'll have to follow up with that one after. And there's a bunch of things I want to dive into on this one, but it's where you ended off. I heard once from one of the guests in this podcast, I'm sure that they didn't actually come up with it, but something they said that the solution to pollution is dilution, right? So if you have some negativity in your life, get rid of it, dilute it with positive energy coming into your life. And you talk a lot about that when you're ending your comments there about who you surround yourself with, but then also how to properly network and build your professional relationships. So let's talk about that through all of these learnings that you've had. Uh, entrepreneurs, leaders listening to this podcast are like, okay, uh, I get it. Live with passion, connect with love. Uh, you talked about expectations you may have from people versus just getting to meet them with your love and your heart and not expecting anything in return from that. On the same token, you counterbalance that with how to grow your professional networks and how to grow the network of people who can help you. So it's an interesting a yin and yang, right? Of how do you build your professional network with people that can help guide you along the way, although you build it without not really having a lot of expectations from people, you're just looking to grow and build your network. What are some key strategies, tips, tricks that you would talk to our listeners about how to grow your professional network in that way? So it's a, a deep set of multiple questions, I would say, that you've packaged into one. Yeah. Just to give people context for the last 10 years, while serving people like Tony Robbins and Jay Abraham and Eckhart Tolle and many others and building businesses around them to promote them and tourism companies and event companies and very successful multi-million dollar businesses, I've understood that a big part of my mission and a big part of my journey is to understand a fear, a challenge that I've had for big chunks of my life was just like making friends and connecting with people, building professional relationships, what many people would call networking. I wanted to dive deep into that. And by diving deep into that, I went on a really unique journey of studying the arts and sciences of human networking. And I've understood a few things that first of all, uh, we've not been taught what true networking really is for some reason. I have three young kids. I don't know about you gentlemen, how many kids you have, but our kids have not been taught about networking in school. We've not been ever taught anything as simple as how to make friends, how to disconnect with friends. How do you change your friends? How do you tell your friends what you really want? Uh, we've never really been taught what the idea of strategic partnerships are. We've been taught by Hollywood the importance of mentorship. 
but we've not been taught in school that we will not achieve what our true purpose is in life unless we surround ourselves with mentors. And I was very fascinated by these points. Why have I not been taught these things? Who's been keeping that away from me? What does that mean? Is that the true fountain of wealth out there? And the answer is yes. To me, a true professional human being out there that wants to become a master at human networking, understand that is real wealth. Not only by the people we surround ourselves with, but basically looking at the basics, saying, hey, what have I achieved so far in my life that I'm most proud of? Let's just outline three or five of these key things that I've achieved. And can I truly say with a hand in my heart that I've done this on my own? Or should I be honest and say, hey, I've actually done it because of my friend John or because of my friend Rich or because of my friend Gil. They gave me an advice. They opened the door. They made an introduction. And then we start to realize that we've actually not achieved anything alone in our lives. Everything we've ever achieved has been with the support, with the help, with the motivation of another person. By realizing this, we start to understand that everything we will ever achieve will be again with the support. Some kind of a connection will come into our life through a book, through a movie, through a meeting, through an event, through a speech. And because of that, we will progress in our life. Once we understand that, we're like, hey, wow, this becomes very easy. Because it means that if I need more clients, I don't need to look for individual clients through a funnel. I can just create strategic partnerships with other people who have a different business, but are targeting the exact same client. If I'm looking for new investors, I don't have to start looking for that perfect investor that would fit me right. I could just go to events where 80% of the audience is exactly my target audience of an investor. And hey, suddenly I'm in a field of this is like amazing. Everybody is a flower I can pick and I can connect with that flower. And the reason I like to bring up nature, because here where I live in Bali for the last few years, and through COVID, I've, I've done a lot of studying about permaculture. So understand for fun, hey, what does it mean to have an edible garden at home? What does that mean for the kids? Is that going to be something I could bond with the kids on? Yes. But also for me, it became interesting to understand how nature networks, how in nature, having a farm with the exact same cucumber everywhere is not good for the earth. Having a diversity of a food forest, of a permaculture garden that's mixed up with the mulberries and the papaya and the parsley and the tomatoes and all these different herbs around one, those herbs are supporting each other, they're feeding each other, they're protecting each other from the sun, from the bugs, they support each other with water, and we're the exact same thing with the network, which is why I've learned as a young man, I'm an introvert from by nature, I've done multiple tests to understand that, and I've had to learn how to decode myself and reprogram myself in order to feel more confident, in order to be able to get out there. I've also understood that because I'm an immigrant, since the age of 10, when I started moving countries with my family, and then I continued to move on my own. I, and English being my third language, I realized also that being an immigrant, I needed to, again, adjust some of my approach to networking and find hacks to how to connect with people from different cultures. Again, looking at my garden, seeing that the diversity of plants in the garden really helped the garden bloom and flourish. Same thing with us. When we have a diversity of people around us from different backgrounds, with different cultures, we tend to grow beautifully. And we can look at that in kids. Look at kids that are in international great schools with kids from all different parts of the world. They tend to become great world leaders 
they're able to communicate, they're able to get a message across where if you have someone who's a corporate leader or a manager or an entrepreneur who's surrounded by people from the exact same city, the exact same culture, the same neighborhood, people that they grew up with, like every time I go back to Montreal where I grew up for the, the, the first teenage part of my life, I see many friends that are still there. And that network has not expanded. So what I tell people, start by auditing the network and understand who's currently there that I need and maybe who's there that I don't need so much. Number two, then explore what is my network manifestation or my network prioritization. Who do I wish to bring into my life and my network in the next three days, three weeks, and three months? And then put together a very simple plan on what do I do, where should I go, who should I speak to? in order to bring those strategic connections into my life so that I could serve them, they could serve me, we could somehow collaborate and have fun together. That's excellent. As you describe the garden of networking, the passion that you bring forward with that, I just found myself getting entranced with it. And then on the other side of the coin, it occurred to me, and I'd love your perspective on it, help me counterbalance what you described that is just the beauty of it all and the support and how much better it is. Why then as humans, are we prone to go with people like us? If you and I went on a trip to Africa and we were the only people that looked like us and talked English, we'd be hanging out, right? That, that's what happens. People just gravitate to people like them. And there's value in that. So how do I counterbalance in my mind the human nature of what I just described with the beauty of what you just described? How do those live together? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful question. And let's really go deep into that and look at the way we are as people and how comfortable we like to be. People don't like to step out of their comfort zones. If you know how to make a few good meals and a few great recipes that you've been taught and you've practiced your whole life, what are the chances of a person stepping way out of their comfort zone and making a brand new dish? People tend to find hotels they love and they tend to go back to the hotels because the management knows them and they know the way. People tend to find a shortcut from home to their office and they tend to stick to the exact same shortcut every single day. We tend to look for routines that are easy. We tend to look for hacks that make our life simple because we are people that are afraid of change. We're afraid of something that would take us off balance. We don't understand necessarily because, again, we've never been taught that being uncomfortable is wonderful. It's a great way to get over fears. Being uncomfortable is a great way to learn. This is how chefs became Michelin star chefs. They experimented. They stepped way outside of their comfort zone. And most great chefs in the world became great chefs when they stepped way outside of their culture and to look out there. Now, of course, if we met in a third world country where everybody in, 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 around us was one type of a, of, of a culture and suddenly I see you, realistically, we'd walk up to each other because we have something in common. But if you think about that as the same thing as saying that if you go into a zoo, usually the zebras would hang out with the zebras and the lions will, wait, will hang out with the lions. But every once in a while, you'll walk into some unique situation where you see some animals interacting. 
animals that are mixed up. And you'll see that in, in smaller, I wouldn't call it a zoo, but in, in, in smaller farms where you'd see a lot of animals from different breeds just walking around and hanging out. And they tend to be quite fun. They're not in cages or anything. And because we've been given that opportunity to step out of our cage, we've been given an opportunity to get on a flight and get into another country. Think about humans in general. Out of the 8 billion humans out there, how many people have really left their cities? I, I suggest everyone to Google that one. But I bet it's maybe 20, 30% of humanity has actually left their city. I'd like to Google that as soon as we're done our talk, because I'm now curious where I got myself thinking about that. But because of that, because of that, we have third world countries. Because of that, we have poverty. Because of that, we have people blaming each other and blaming the government because they think so small where there's some people that have stepped out of their comfort zone, they've stepped out of their cities, they've looked elsewhere, they look for diversity. Because when we have diversity, we develop ourselves. Something as simple as eating different fruits every single day to develop brain cells, something I learned for kids. If you check out my kitchen on an average day here in Bali, you'll find a minimum of 13 different fruits they're in my kitchen counter, 13 on average. Usually they'll see 10 to 15 there. Majority of them are going to be from Bali itself, so very exotic fruits. And I've learned this early on that the, one of the easiest and best way to quickly and in a fun way develop kids' brains is to give them different textures and different flavors and different colors and fruits. Easy one. It's like an alternative to candy. Why not? Diversity creates an abundance of opportunities, basically. Where you started was on comfort zone and routines and simplicity. And we had a guest on the podcast who wrote a book about getting out of comfort zones. His name's Billy Anderson. And one of the things that I learned from him that really stuck with me was uh, the more you stay in your comfort zone, the smaller that comfort zone gets. And the more you go outside of it, the larger your comfort zone gets. So I, I pictured that in your description of staying in a comfort zone, and it almost becomes handcuffs of the only place you can be comfortable is in a smaller and smaller place. And then with this lack of understanding of others is really what you spoke about. Like, hey, if you don't get out of your city, if you don't go learn other people, there's a lot of blaming and shaming and not understanding of other people. Which, by the way, it's a whole lot easier to blame and shame other people than it is to take responsibility, which at a deeper psychological level, we won't get into that may contribute towards people wanting to be with their own type of people because it's easier. You get to blame and shame other people and you get to bond over that instead of have to take responsibility for our contribution to issues. I love that. I love that. And it's such a powerful statement, Rich, that this is, I think, where the injustices that we see in the world happen. This is where wars start because of, of people feeling uncomfortable with other cultures. This is where hatred comes in. This is where inequalities, whether it's sexes or cultures and poverty comes in. People are not necessarily happy and open to bring in strangers into their circles. We've been taught at a young age, at least I've been taught living, growing up in, in North America from the age of 10, strangers are danger. 
And, yes. um, Stranger danger. It, it, That's it, actually a thing kids are taught. But it's something quite messed up about yes. that. We've also been taught not to take candies from a stranger. But let me ask you this. If you're walking with your kids in a shopping mall and the lady at the candy shop, she's working at the candy shop, offers your kids a sample. What is that wrong? Hello? Like, why not teach kids the opposite? So something I teach kids is my kids are young. They're, they're two, four and seven. So I teach them when we go for a walk sometimes. I'm like, hey, do me a favor. Tell daddy all the people you like and why. Just randomly tell me the people you like. Don't tell me the ones who are scary. Why tell them? Tell me about the different teachers you have in school. So we actually have this uh, idea that I think is very useful if you have young kids out there to teach them about networking. And what we've asked the school to help us with is to get pictures of all the kids, all the teachers in the school and all the kids that my kids play with to grab a photo with them together. And we have them printed out in the kid's bedroom. And I like to ask my kids, hey, tell me about these kids or tell me about these teachers. What do you do with them during the day? Or what do they do that makes you laugh? And it's really interesting to help kids and adults sometimes to speak of people. One of the exercises I love doing at, at events around the world, for the last 10 years, I've spoken about a thousand different events around the world, at 20 different universities around the world, about the arts and sciences of human networking. And I take it to a very deep level of simple exercises. I work with Fortune 500 companies. I work with four different governments. And most of what I love to work with is entrepreneurs who want to scale globally. They want to go to a different country. They want to step out of their comfort zone, but they really want to grow without following traditional old school marketing plans and simple business development strategies that are very kind of old school and very expensive. I like to help them find hacks. And I give them these examples with kids when, you know, sharing with kids, asking kids to tell you who it is that they want to be friends with and why. Describe the kind of people you want to work with. When I tell an adult the same thing, describe the kind of people you want to work with. They're like, what do you mean? Describe your ideal client or describe the clients you don't want to work with. I've asked my kids, tell me about the kind of friends you don't want to have. And it's very interesting as an adult, we've never do that. Hey, have you ever considered that you could stop being friends with some people? Do you know how powerful that is? I did that when I was 33, the first time, very consciously I did that. When I was when I was younger, I moved countries, so I didn't really know the effects that disconnecting from an old network and connecting into a new network, I didn't fully understand what it did to me. But when I was 33, I was going through a kind of a massive change in my life, a little bit of a meltdown, a little bit of midlife crisis. I didn't want to be in any of the businesses I was in. I was a shareholder of nine different companies, wanted to let them go. But what I realized the most... I wanted to let go of some of the friends I had, people that I called my best friends, people that I hung out with, people that were my bros. I wanted to let them go because suddenly I felt they didn't have my back. They weren't the people that are going to take me to the next level in life. Yeah, I had fun with them. And disconnecting from them was very difficult. It was a journey. It was challenging. It was uncomfortable. But it was so rewarding because space was created for new friendships, for new people that had shared values and shared hobbies. And that same approach I apply when it comes to bringing new clients in my life. And I want higher quality clients that can afford bigger prices. I want clients that really are willing to right now go internationally. And we start to look at networking 
as a spiritual set of tools of how can I feel more harmony in my life? How can I be calm because I got amazing people that got my back? I got friends. They don't have to be childhood friends. Who needs childhood friends these days? I'm sorry. We can travel around the world. We can connect with people on LinkedIn. You can make friends so easily. Come to a Tony Robbins event for four days. I guarantee you will make lifelong friends because you are experiencing something life-changing together and you're spending quality time together. To me, four days, four or five days at a Tony Robbins event is so much more powerful than at 20, 30 years with a childhood friend because that friend used to be a friend and that's what I needed them at that point. Maybe now... I need someone else. And that's something I started questioning myself in order to help me find happiness. And it's not an easy journey, but I've learned that it helps us grow. Yeah, Gil, you, you, you mentioned a ton of valuable information there that you know, has me just thinking and thinking about my kids and what am I doing to expand their horizons and relationships. And it makes me even think about an event that you should probably plan around parents and their kids to be able to go to events because there's to a certain degree, COVID put a big issue on the surface of kids and how they interact and how they live. And it's getting a little bit scary. And I'll, I'll get a little bit later to maybe some of your experiences with the metaverse and different things like that. Cause I know you're passionate about crypto and everything that's going on. That's new age, right? Things are changing so fast. And I think there's too many old school thoughts, too many old school parents and the kids are not being taught how to network how to have these meaningful conversations. And it's just a very important thing. But I want to get to this first. You said that you need to have a plan for who you want to bring into your network. Maybe a plan for who you should disconnect from your network or who you should strategically be you know, working with and mentorship and everything else. I can tell you, and Rich, I, I'd love to ask you as well, but I currently do not have a networking plan. I have a marketing plan for my business. I do connect with people on LinkedIn all the time, but I don't have an intentional networking plan. And this conversation is making me realize, what are you doing? Why don't you have an intentional networking plan? God, what I don't that have that either, but I want to be clear. I would keep you in my network. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. I think Gil, the question I have is I'm listening to this and, and if you don't have one, Rich, and I don't have one. I don't. That's a pretty good sample size, in my opinion, of what percentage of listeners may not have one either to listen to this right this second. What is an actionable plan? I listen to Gil. I get off this podcast and I'm going to do one, two, three. What is it? Yes. I love asking the audiences these questions. How many of you guys have a life plan or how many of you guys have some sort of a goals for your business and how many of you guys have networking plans? And it's always interesting that a very small part of the audience have actually raised their hands. And I love asking them what that means. Having a networking plan is just having some clarity on who do I want to spend time with and why? And you could start by, first of all, doing a little audit. Look at the top 20, top 50 people in your life that you spend time with, you speak to, you follow them, you listen to their podcasts, you try to meet them on the weekend and start asking yourself some questions about them. Who are they in my life? Am I proud of them? Are they proud of me? Do I know when their birthday is? Have they bought me anything for my birthday? Do I share some values with them? For example, myself personally, I haven't drank any alcohol since my first Tony Robbins event. So it's been over 10 years now. And so, for example, I like to look for people who love high quality tea ceremonies. I really enjoy inviting people to my home who don't need alcohol for dinner. 
as an example, and I start to look at people in my life and say, who do I want to see more in my life? So the first thing is to do an audit and say, who do you want to see more in your life and why? And it could be someone who's already in your network and you just want to bring them a little closer from their second or third degree. You want to bring them a little bit closer to you. So instead of talking to them once or twice a year, you want to try to see them once a month. So the audit is quite complex. If anybody needs an, uh, the actual the networking audit a methodology, I have a very simple handout I can give to people. I don't charge for this. I don't charge for any of my info business products. I don't. I give everything away for free. I believe that my time and my space is what I charge for. So if anybody who's listening wants the networking audit, just send me a message anywhere on any social media. I'm the only Gil Peterson in the world. And ask me for the networking audit. That's the first step. Do a little audit to understand who's in my network and why are they there? There's so many different questions you could start asking yourself about them. Second thing, say, based on my current business goals, as an example, let's just assume we got some professional entrepreneurs out there. They got some business goals. Of course, we could look at life as well. Am I happy with my life? Do I have a wife, a husband? Do, am I happy where I'm living? You could look at a lot of life goals, of course, because the network has a massive effect on that. But to make it easy for the entrepreneurs out there, Let's look at the top three business goals that an entrepreneur would have and ask yourself, do I currently have people in my immediate network, meaning I can call them right now, I can listen to their podcast, I could see them as a mentor, I can have coffee with them that can give me some answers or insights, they can give me some guidance. It's the next three steps I got to take towards my goals. Every goal, let's just say, has 100 steps max. Some major goals, this is something I've spent some time with people like Richard Branson and Jay Abraham, people that, that mean a lot to me. And people like that would say there's a thousand steps to something. I believe there's a hundred big steps. And we could delegate a lot of those steps to people in our network. But the question is, do we then have some people in our network that could tell us what are the next three steps look like? And then we do those three steps and we go back to the same mentor, another mentor. Most people would say, no, I don't have those people in my network right now. Or yes, I do. Based on that, we now need a network follow-up plan. Now, I'm currently writing another book called The, the Follow-Up Code. The follow-up code is all about an understanding that there's so many amazing people in our network, which is pretty bad at following up in general. So how do we follow up with people? How do we reconnect with someone on LinkedIn that we've only connected to once? How do we then approach someone with the understanding that I don't need to sell them anything, I just want some advice? Or I don't need to ask them anything I just need to start following them every single day and listening to them every single day for an hour. Like I made a decision many years ago to identify different mentors on a regular basis and listen to them for an hour to a day. You don't need to have a mentor that goes out for coffee with you in order to actually treat them as a mentor. You could start following a podcast and really listen to those people and listen to that speaker and be aligned with them. Before, like for me, it took me many years of listening to Tony Robbins on CDs before I finally met the man. And he's, ah, you're Gil Petersil. I've been hearing a lot about you from my wife and my team. I was like, oh my God, Tony Robbins knows who I am. But it took me years of building a relationship with his company and my company until I finally met him personally. And that was, again, a networking strategy. So it's really important for people to just start by auditing themselves and understanding who, who is the network right now. Number two, ask themselves, who do I really need to progress in life so I'm not stuck where I am? And maybe people don't feel stuck, but 
It doesn't matter where you are in life. There is something that you want to do or there's another level you want to get to. There's always another level. There's always a way to step up, whether it's business or money or health or whether it's working less. Like when COVID hit, I understood three things. Number one, uh, all the future businesses that will ever open have to be COVID proof. So if another COVID shows up, no problem. My business will still run because five of my businesses died over one week when COVID hit. They didn't fully die, but they came to close to zero. COVID proof. Number two, I want to work 80% less at a time and still be able to make the same amount of money I did before. So I could spend more time on my kids. I could spend more time on philanthropy. I could do charity. I could work on my body. I could work on my health. I could be super happy in my harmony. And number three, I want to have even more impactful, beautiful, mindful, nourishing people around me in my life. And that doesn't mean they're super rich. It just means they're amazing, impactful people. And depending on the sort of goals anyone who's listening has in their life and in business, you need to seriously review the network you have right now and start allocating time for the right people. And a a simple exercise that I like to tell people to start with is a part of an audit. Open up your WhatsApp or your Messenger, wherever you write people a lot of messages, and literally scroll up or like you're actually scrolling down, but scroll up, up months, three months, four months, six months, and then stop. And then slowly come back up to today, slowly. And ask yourself, why have I not written in three months to this person? What happened? Did I lose touch? Or did I not know what to say? Was it my fault? Did I try to really follow up with him? Did I met them at that friend's birthday party? I really liked him. I connected with him. It was an amazing touch. I sent him two messages. They never responded, so I gave up. Or, wow, that guy was an ideal client for me. If I met him at that business event, I sent him a follow-up message the next day. He never responded. I gave up on them because maybe they're not interested. Why do we give up on ourselves so easily? So I tell people... Audit the the network you have right now in a very simple way by looking at the last three to six months and ask yourself, who are the people that I should follow up with? And step out of your comfort zone. Send them a small little message. Tell them what's new and exciting with you. And then ask them what's new and exciting on their life. Love it. Gil, I, I think to recap what I heard from the plan is in the three steps is audit the top 20 people that you interact with in your life. And you do have a handout. I, I do want to take you up on that and make that available to our listeners. I got to be really ha- helpful to see what that method is, to see who you have shared values with. Who do you want to spend more time with? Why? Do that audit. Number two, from your business perspective, what are your top three business goals and who are the people in your immediate network that can help you with the next three steps on those three goals? I love that. Way too many entrepreneurs feel like they're all by themselves. It's a lonely yeah. job at the top, being the CEO yeah. or entrepreneur of a business. But if you think about who are the people in your immediate network, you can call and ask them for advice, not to sell them anything. Ask them for advice on the top, on the next three steps towards your goals. What a powerful thing to reconnect with people maybe you haven't connected with. And the number three is you need a follow-up plan. It's amazing how many people we develop these great relationships with and then life happens and you don't reconnect with them. It took years for Rich and I to reconnect. We met 25 years ago. We went our own ways. We stayed in touch. But it wasn't impactful. And we found a way to reconnect. But there's people in our network, whether it be a LinkedIn network or to your point, messages we sent to people or we met it that we just don't stay in touch. 
and it's been it is powerful when you do reach out to someone you haven't talked to in a long time and said hey let's reconnect it's just a fun fun thing to do and i think it'd be great to challenge people to hey reconnect with people over the next 30 days that you haven't talked to in a while that you really cherish their relationship and you want to reconnect with them because they've meant something to you i think it's a really important thing to do so thank you for sharing yeah. that thank you thank you for john and i tell people that that follow up with someone after a few months or maybe sometimes after a year there is something that's inside of us that sometimes feel this is not right yeah sometimes people feel no if i'm reaching out to this person after so many months maybe they'll think i want something from them yep and i don't know where it comes from guys i really don't but there is something quite messed up that's been programmed into our heads that asking for help is wrong I can tell you why. I don't know where I, I, it comes I can tell you from. my hypothesis. My hypothesis yeah. is because we get that a lot. There are a lot of takers. There are a lot of people from the book Give and Take, right? There's a lot of people who reach out to us because they're looking for something. And that's the only time they reach out. And therefore, in our psychology, if we're going to reach out to someone to reconnect, we fear they're going to think the same thing of the 10 other people that reached out to them. And I, I, I think that's the psychology that exists. But, there. but there's nothing wrong when someone reaching out and wanting something like, I love being in demand. Yeah. The more people reach out to me, the more in demand I am, the more people want my services, the more expensive I can get. What we've never been taught is that networking does not need to just be in our hands. We can systemize it. I got three networking angels working for me. I'm just recently, and I'm allowed to say that's public. He said one of my biggest friends and teachers is Keith Ferrazzi, who wrote the book Never Eat Alone, an absolutely amazing human being, someone who I've looked up to for many years because he was my networking guru. Today, Keith is a friend. I've just recently hired two networking angels for him. This is something that we've been doing for years for our clients and friends. It's teaching them that we can have people helping us with our network. We don't have to be rich. We don't have to be a successful entrepreneur to have help with our network. Whether it's a simple CRM system, whether it's just understanding how to use our phone in a more efficient manner to keep track of people, whether it's using voice messages, whether it's, oh my God, using AI. I love AI. I've been waiting for AI for my whole adult life to finally be able to create systems that would help us authentically from the heart follow up with the right people because sometimes we don't know what to say so we don't say anything but following up is not just something as easy as just washing our face in the morning follow up is actually it's not easy we don't know what to say sometimes but what i tell people is asking for advice is an easy way of following up asking people what's new and exciting or being able to share what's new and exciting with me and asking them what's going on with them it is such a simple such an authentic way such a human way of, of connecting and i tell people out there especially the entrepreneurs get yourselves help get an amazing business assistant who wants to serve you feel free to ask me about what a networking angel actually means how do you get people to support you to manage your networks because hey we get overwhelmed we got families we got hobbies we got activities everybody always says gil i don't have time i tell them you know what when you don't have time Take a break for a day and go and find a single mother with five kids with two jobs and see how she finds a way to still 
cook for her kids and do homework for her kids and still finds time to watch a good movie every once in a while. Time is something that is the massive correlation between human networking and time because we always think we're too busy. We always think we don't have time to follow up with people. We always think we don't have time to meet up with people. We always think we don't have time to build new relationships. But again, this is wrong programming. We have plenty of time to get this done. And I, the, the reason I believe that today is I just looked for people who are just managing time better and they're managing relationships. And I was like, how do you do that? And why do you manage your time better? And how do you connect? And this is like, the answers are right there. But for some reason, we've been programmed to think that we don't have enough time to live in scarcity mindset. But when you start understanding that, I believe at least, I'm, I'm not a religious person, I'm a spiritual person, but God, the universe, gave me a lot of gifts. The biggest gift that I received is other human beings to network with. And when I realized that, I'm like, oh my God, there's so many people out there. They can give me inspiration. They can give me answers. They can give me help. I got everything I need. I want to be healthy. I'll go meet with biohackers. I want to be wealthy. I go meet with millionaires and billionaires and ask them some questions and just hang around them. It, life then becomes very easy, very transparent, and very accessible. I grew up in a household with two educators as parents, so I have a ton of appreciation for the education system. That being said, I think there's some grooming that happens in the education system that eventually as an adult, we often, unless we have higher consciousness, and you often have to be trained how to have higher consciousness and what that is, but unless we have higher consciousness, as an adult, we say, that's just how I am. And just how we are when you talk about this kind of you've been groomed to not ask for help. I think some of that comes from the education system where you cannot ask for help from a partner or someone else. You need to answer right. There is a right, there is a wrong, and your goal is to answer right. Otherwise, you'll get the red pen on your paper and you get a poor grade and then you'll hear about it at home and so I, I think we're groomed from a very young age to not look for help and to have to be right. And for me anyway, and for those who I coach, when we could find the origin of where some of our dysfunction as adults started, sometimes it helps us release the shackles it's put on us. So for those listeners who feel like, yeah, that's just how I am. I don't reach out for help. I'm just one of those people. I just don't reach out for help. It's hard for me. It may have started all the way back in childhood. It may have started all the way back in school where that's what was taught. And, that, and what we find is the coping mechanisms from childhood end up binding us as adults and working against us. And it takes very active, thoughtful work to have to work against our nature if your nature is, it's just hard for me to reach out to others. So that's what I've experienced in my life and how I've been able to get over feeling like I have to have all the answers and I can't ask questions. And I've experienced some, but not to the extent you have, of the beauty of just asking for help. And it's okay. So I just wanted to share that with you. And I imagine you've had some of a journey as well, because as again, as kids, 
It's, hey, do you want to play a such and such sport? You want to play soccer? Yeah, sure. I can learn to play soccer. You want to learn uh, karate? Yeah, sure. I can learn karate. Hey, do you want, it's all open. And then we evolved to have all these walls on what we can and can't do. How did you get over those walls of what you can? I love that. Yeah. Thank you, Rich, for such a beautiful question, but also your pre-framing of the question is so valuable. Because like yourself, and I, I think all the other listeners, I grew up with the same education of if you ask for help, you might be cheating. Yes. Because if I don't know what the answer is and I'm asking for help, I might be cheating instead of trying to figure it out on my own. Work out the formula and figure it out. But that's completely wrong, which is why I believe in a new type of schools today where people work together to try to come up with a solution. We've not been taught that working as a community to find solutions is much more powerful always. And so many entrepreneurs, as John said, are solopreneurs. They, they think they got to work alone. They got to they gotta hustle. They got to grind. Sure, I'm, I like to hustle. I like to grind. I've had more than 20 successful failures in business. I know what it means to lose a million dollars in one day. I also know what it means to make a million dollars in one day. I've had to go through the pain of learning how to walk up to people and start a conversation. I've, learned, I've had to learn how to step out of my comfort zone of an introvert who barely spoke any English in my early 20s and walk up to people at, a, at an expo, at a conference, and start a conversation. I practice on speed dating with women because I only had five minutes each on how do you start a conversation with a woman for the first five minutes and get her to like you by listening. I had to learn how to practice this with many different people at different trade shows where I just had to learn how do I get my message across? How do I introduce myself? So the, 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 the short answer to your question is I've not gotten over those fears. I'm still an introvert. So it's only my wife and myself that would sometimes see myself in situations where I feel way overwhelmed and way outside of my comfort zone. But because I've been taught to just say one, two, three, take steps forward. When I saw Richard Branson in front of me in a room, and there was 30 other people in the room in front of me asking him questions all around him, my one side of my brain was like, ah, he's too busy. There's important people. There's two billionaires in front of him. What am I going to say to him? I had all these concerns, but then my other side said, kill. You're probably the only one who did some research last night. On what's important for Richard Branson today? Not who he is and how he can help me. What's important for him? And when there was a window opportunity to ask a powerful question that was not about Richard, help me, give me answers, but Richard, how can someone in this room be helpful to you right now? And I gave very specific context. Suddenly the whole room was quiet. Suddenly the whole room looked at me and was like, wow, first question that was asked of Richard Branson is how we can help him. And I specifically asked him a question that I knew was relevant to him in that moment. And he wanted to answer. And he said, thank you for the question. And 20 minutes later, he gave me his business card. A couple of minutes later, we took a selfie. And for me, that was not me saying, hey, Richard, can I have a selfie, please? I wanted to stay at his level. I was like, Richard, my wife is just reading your book. And she's not going to believe that we had this conversation. He asked me to take a selfie so I could prove it to her. It's not being over my fears. Even just recently, I understood that I have a fear of being alone. 
I thought that because I was went from an introvert to being reprogramming myself, I wanted to be around people. And I thought I had a fear of being alone. I thought I had a fear of loneliness. I thought I had all these different fears. I don't know if you ever heard of a dark retreat. I went and spent four days in complete darkness in a small room where you get fed through a dark box three times a day. You don't see your hands for four days. You are truly lonely, but you are not. I, I overcame so many fears I thought I had in my head because I was happy to put myself in a room that my, the door was open. I can open the door at any given point and see daylight. But for four days, I, went to, I was in this room and it was very peaceful. It was silent. It was incredible. And we all have these little fears and these blocks. And I don't believe that people should just overcome all of them and just unleash your full potential and that's it. You're a Superman. I think it's an ever going journey to step towards our fears and step towards something that's uncomfortable and see, hey, what happens if I went to one more event per month? What happens if I just reached out to two more people? Because, hey, I'm, I'm an introvert and maybe I'm shy and I got a lot of kids and I got a lot of opportunities and I have a lot of responsibilities. So there's no need to push ourselves to becoming overly uncomfortable. I believe it's really nice to Take a few steps and see how it feels. And if it's a little bit scary, that's good. Take another couple of steps. I don't believe that um, if I wanted to be the man I am today, I, I had to fail along the way. Learning how to make a great meal. I'm a chef. I I've, I've loved cooking my whole life. It's, I believe it's one of the reasons my wife uh, got married to me because I was able to cook for her extravagant meals. But in the last few years, I haven't really had to cook much because we have a team of seven people in the house and we have people that are able to cook. But in the last seven, 10 years, I've had downfalls where I've had no money. Even throughout COVID, 100% of all of my savings, 100% of all of my money had to go away to support people, support our community, pay salaries when I didn't have the money to pay salary to myself. And the network is what built me back up. So I believe that people need to understand that the network is there to serve us. We're there to cross-pollinate like bees do within the networks. The flowers that we have in our garden, these amazing connections that we have, they shouldn't just belong to us. We should share them with others, which is why one of the biggest belief systems I have when it comes to networking karma is to make introductions. If anyone who's listening wants to have an amazing week, identify five people, amazing people in your life, send them a message and ask them, hey, I'm going to do some crazy thing this week. Can you tell me who you would like me to manifest in your life? Literally ask them a, a magical question. Who can I bring into your life? Who can I introduce you to? And just do that for a week. Sometimes I do this as an exercise in an event and say, hey, for the next 30 minutes, we're not going to talk about ourselves anymore. Let's just stop talking. No more selling of yourself. Don't tell anyone about yourself. Tell them, hi, my name is Gil. Let me talk to you about my friend, John. Hey, my name is Gil. Let me tell you about one of the greatest men I know, Rich, and why I think you should know someone like that. And if you give people that opportunity to step out of themselves, where it's all about me and I need help and I need support and blah, 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 blah. And it's about, hey, I got a community. I got a network of people. How can I co-elevate? This is something that Keith Ferrazzi says beautiful. How can I co-elevate with people so they know 
I got their back. And when you're in that position, when you got people's backs, you have less concerns in life about falling back. You have less concerns in life about failing, about losing it all, because you got a network of people that will get your back and will, will help you. I will help you to step back up into a higher position you've ever been in before. And that's what I love doing for my clients as a, as a guide, as a mentor, as a coach. I like being an advisor for different impact investors out there. I love being out there and, and working with conscious entrepreneurs who are making something, making a difference in the world of their business. They're not just selling pens or couches, but they're doing something that makes a difference. I now dedicate a lot of my time, more than 50% of my time, away from my own businesses just to serve other entrepreneurs so that they don't feel alone. And I cross-pollinate with them. I give them everything they need to make it easy for them to impact the world and do more good for humanity. Gil, before we wrap, can you describe real quickly who would reach out to you? Who's the person who is the listener who would say, you know what? I heard what Gil said. I'm fired up about networking. What's the profile of the person? What are the needs they would have that they would call you? So I, I say to people this with, with a lot of love. Majority of people will not actually contact me. And it has nothing to do with them needing me or not. It has to do with the belief they have in themselves. They might not believe that I'll answer them. They might not believe they're important enough. The answer is, I will answer you. Uh, if you think it's my assistant, it will be my voice message personalized to you. If you send me something that's tangible, that's contextually attractive. Um, I like to work with entrepreneurs who really want to scale right now. I like to work with entrepreneurs who are tired of the old systems of normal marketing and normal business development approach to growing a business. I like to work with investors who want to basically connect with a lot more impact, impactful people out there. So instead of just looking in my immediate network, I open up the outside network to people's lives. And it's not just about giving them connections, but it's teaching them where to have those connections. I look for people who want to join my entourage. So when I show up at Davos, when I show up at a Tony Robbins event, by the way, the two of you guys, we have a Tony Robbins event coming up at the end of July in England. We have another Tony Robbins event coming up in Australia, in Sydney, Australia in September. My first time in Sydney, Australia. I've never been there yet, so I'm very excited. If anybody is listening and you're from there, please connect me with me. Give me some advice. But if anybody wants to join, John and Rich, I'm very happy to offer all of your listeners the craziest deal ever. I can't officially say it online because we're not supposed to give any discounts at a Tony Robbins event. But being one of the biggest partners for Tony Robbins for the last few years, we get incredibly attractive margins and discounts. So I'm very happy to give it out there to people that come in from your, your listeners right now, an entrepreneur that wants to connect, that wants to join the Meet Partners community. We show up as an entourage together. My company is called Meet Partners. We show up and we support each other so we're not networking alone at the event. I'll give, the, I'll give your audience a really awesome offer. I promise if they mention your names or your podcast, I'll, I'll give them a deal they can, the best deal in the world by far. And really, if people that maybe want to come to visit us in Bali, people who are looking to do business in Indonesia, people looking to do business in, in Russia, people are looking to do business in the Middle East. These are countries where I've been very active in for years. And the people who just want to step out of their own head 
and step into a, a bigger world out there. Reach out to me. Let's jump on a call and see where it takes us. Thank you, Gil. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. John, I love that question. That was a little tip on how to reach out to somebody who you haven't talked to in a really long time. Ask them what's new and exciting in your life. Yeah, That's it. Just so hey, easy. what's new and exciting in your life? We haven't talked in a really long time. Man, I was thinking about it like somebody I haven't talked to in a couple of years, if they were to ask me that, I'd love to get asked that question. Yeah. When you do reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a while, for no other reason other than you want to connect with them, and then you do connect with them, what do you typically get as a final response from that person? Thanks for reconnecting. And there's such a positive energy around doing that, yet we still don't do it enough. And I think that's the challenge I'm taking away from this. I love you and I have given each other challenges over the years. Who are 10 people that you haven't connected with in a long time that means something deep to you that you can reach out to and ask that very question? And I'll do the same thing. I think it's something we need to do. And I would challenge everybody listening to this to do the exact same thing. Not something you talked to last week, but something you talked to in a while that really means something to you. It's time to reconnect with those people. And I think Gil gave us a very specific plan on how to do that audit of even more people, how to look at the business goals and who are the three people that can help you, give you some advice along the line and go ask for that advice. That's why you have this network. Don't be ashamed to go ask them for advice on how you can go achieve these goals. They want to give it to you. That's very important. And then the follow-up is just really important. Stay in touch with people you want to heap around you. I have heard networking ends with the word working. Yep. This isn't net, wait around, net, sit around, net, we'll just meet the next person. You have to work that network. It's networking, right? Yep. I have a recent experience with this, and it's just interesting. We just met Gil here, but I, with the recent experience I had, that somebody who I haven't talked to in, it must be a year and a half. They called me and said, and I wasn't able to pick up. They left a message and said, hey, Rich, have a little bit of windshield time. I was thinking of you, wanted to reach out, just reconnect. No reason in particular. If you get a chance to call back, feel free. In the meantime, hope things are going great. Click. And I thought about that and I thought, man, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. And I decided to send a text message then. A couple of days later, I sent a text message to three people that I was thinking about. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, two of the three people said, I was thinking about you fairly recently. It's really funny how these things work. One of the people who I reached out to said, Hey, in about a week or so, I'm going to, and this is via text. And we have a, we had a really tight relationship and we haven't talked in probably a year and a half, two years. Mm -hmm. And the person said, I haven't told really anybody other than family, but in a week, I'm having heart surgery. Wow. And your name came up with my wife on somebody who I should probably tell who's not a family member. And it's just really interesting how these things come up. And it was like, oh my gosh, mm. how close was I to missing an opportunity to support him in this really important time in his life? And it sounds to me like he's a little concerned about getting off the operating table. And that's coming yeah. up on this Friday in two yeah. days. I put together a little gift basket that's going to be sent to them and a personalized note and trying to do what I can to support them. But that came from mm -hmm. this text that I just said, hey, just thinking about you, very similar to the message that I got. And it was inspired by somebody else who did that to me. 
So yeah. it's just it's just a recent experience I had with networking and Gil doubled down for me today yeah. on the importance of working my network and just reconnecting for no reason at all, just out of love yeah. and service and just thinking of you. Yeah, and, and so we're talking a lot here and we did talk a lot with him as well about reconnecting or disconnecting for that matter. Yes. But it's the making of new that we sometimes get in a rut of. And to challenge yourself as a business professional, way too many people try and grow their network because they want to sell you something. Yeah. We get hit up. I'm sure you get hit up just the same as I do on LinkedIn all the time. Somebody wants to sell us something. They want to schedule an appointment with us to sell us a product because that's how they get paid. And they're cold calling. And we get telemarketers calling us all the time to sell us something. And I think that prohibits us a little bit from growing our network and stepping out to go have that conversation with Richard Branson and do the research, ask him a thought-provoking question, to build that relationship, to go give to others with no expectation of return, but in the hopes that you can build and grow your network and expand your network. And I think that is where fear comes in. I'm not afraid to call somebody I've talked to, I haven't talked to, excuse me, in about a year. Uh, maybe I'm a little nervous about why they're going to wonder why I'm calling, but I'll do that. That's not a problem. I have a relationship with them. That's actually really fun. But for me to try and walk up to somebody in a conference, like he was talking about that example, Richard Branson, and try and build my network through that, that's a little more daunting of a task for most people. And so we don't do it. What are you doing? And that's just a rhetorical question. What am I doing to expand and grow our network on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? And how fruitful can that be if we were to do that? Mm -hmm. And I think he gave us some really good examples of you got to get out there. You got to get on a plane and go to that conference. You got to get on a plane and go to a Tony Robbins session and meet all these valuable people because Tony Robbins is fantastic. I'm sure that what he says on stage blows your mind. But I would guess we were to ask Gil, what's more important to you, that or the networking you get when you're there? I think we know what his answer would be. Shelby is my wife. Shelby and I went to somebody's house last night and we bought something off of Facebook Marketplace. Have you ever gone on Facebook Marketplace? No. So people list, we look for sometimes mint condition, pre-owned items that people didn't use. I actually bought a cycling helmet for the event that I have coming up and it was a brand new helmet. And uh, after we left and we struck up a nice conversation with the lady uh, that was selling it. And after we left, I looked at Shelby and said, we could probably actually be friends with her, huh? She was pretty cool. And Shelby said, yeah. And we just went about our way. After this conversation, it makes me want to reach out. Now, the, the male to female thing may be a little weird. Maybe I'll prompt Shelby to reach out. But yeah. to reach out to her and say, hey, we really connected over the few minutes that we had when we picked up that helmet the other night. Would you be up for grabbing a coffee and just, just chatting? Mm -hmm. That would be interesting. That would be out of my comfort zone for sure. Yep. But we did connect with her over just a few minutes. And we literally, John, I'm, I kid you not, I literally walked away and said, we could be friends with her. Yep. But normally, I would never follow up with her. Yep. Yeah, no, no question. And, and it, it certainly, 
And what are your expectations from that? Really nothing. Your expectations aren't really anything. And to me, that's where the genuine, authentic network comes into play. When you don't have expectations of somebody you're trying to meet or spend time with, other than you just want to genuinely expand your network and meet new people because you never know where that could help one person or the other. And that's your genuine interest. That's where the power comes in. I just thought she did share with us. I Somehow it came out a conversation. I asked her what she did because she mentioned being a college professor. Yep. And I said, what do you teach? She said, interior architecture. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Having uh, a whole bunch of entrepreneurs in the painting and coatings business who I work with, maybe there is something professional in there, but it wouldn't be going for that purpose, right? It would be going just to connect. No, but there's this element. He talked about this karma. I love this karma piece he talked about. Networking karma. Make introductions. Meet somebody with the purpose of co-elevating. I love the way that was framed, right? How can we meet people that together we can help each other? I'm not sure exactly how. There may not even actually be a way to help each other. But if you challenge them, how can I help you and how can you help me? Chances are they'd find a way that they could help each other. So how can you network to co-elevate and have that be your intention versus network to sell somebody something or for personal greed needs? If you do it to co-elevate, and really do it with the right intentions, the right karma, it'll pay back. One of the places where he end was ended was, your network is there to serve you. I think that's really powerful. And he also talked about, I love being in demand. I love when people call me and tell me how I can help them. I think most people do. Most people love being asked for help. That's another lesson I'm gonna take out of this is uh, our network is there to serve us. And people love being in demand, they love helping, they just need to know how, and we just need to have the courage to reach out.